battles. We hear a lot of battling going on between our political candidates these days. And sometimes they are talking about the battle that we all face with terror. We all know that terror threats are out there, and yet a lot of work has been done to try to minimize or take away those threats from having a strong military to having good intelligence to having other kind of filters and protective uh, programs and such. Yet, despite all of that that goes on, we still know that the threat of a terror attack is out there, and maybe that makes us a little uneasy at times. But listen to these words from the Apostle Paul. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You hear what he's saying? We shouldn't fear the terrorist attacks as much as we should be alert to the attacks that come from the spiritual forces. He started out that passage with a little word, for. And the words prior to that, he was telling us this, that we are in a spiritual battle. We're engaged in spiritual warfare. And the question for us is, are we ready for that battle? We are. Paul tells us how it is we're ready for it with these words. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now today when we talk about terror and threats, we often identify where the threat is coming from, what particular group, if it's ISIS or, or some other group that has some agenda. And by knowing that enemy, we're aware perhaps of why they're doing it and, and what they're going to do. Well, the Apostle Paul has identified our enemy too. And he's urging us to believe so that we're ready to fight for our faith. He wants us to, first of all, be aware of the threats that exist out there. He said, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of evil. And with that, he's identifying the main enemy, the devil. Now, just as we like to identify who it is that's causing the threat against us so that we understand the enemy and, and their tactics, so it is the Apostle Paul wants us to understand who our spiritual enemy is also, the devil. He's not some mythological being. He's not simply some symbol that stands for evil in the world. But he is a real spiritual being, evil, in his actions and intents. In fact, there's a book entitled, Satan is Alive and Well. And he is. Now, the scriptures give other titles or names for him that help us understand what he's trying to do. The Bible calls him the tempter. 
a murderer and a liar. With those words, he's describing for us what his tactics are. Deception. And what his goal is. Destruction. Deception for destruction. The Bible paints him as like a, a lion, a lion that's roaring and prowling, waiting to devour, and a serpent that's sly and slippery and cunning. It also calls him Satan, which really means adversary or enemy. He's the enemy of God, and he's our enemy. He's called the God of this world, which tells us where his kingdom is and where his activity is. In this world, we live in enemy territory. But there's another name that I think is also very revealing about him, and that is he's called an angel of light. Uh, that he masquerades as an angel of light. That is, he comes looking good. He comes and appealing to us with what might sound nice to us. He comes with an appearance that seems harmless. But it's all a deception. Now, you and I like to live in California. And, and we enjoy our weather, like the beautiful weather they have had the last few days. Now, we all know we need rain. But we certainly like that we don't have countless days of rain and rain and rain like some places. We like our sunshine. We also enjoy the beautiful vegetation that our state has. But put those two together, a lack of rain and all that vegetation, and we get what's known as the fall fire season. You see, it looks so good and feels so good, but together it's deadly. And that's exactly the way the devil likes to operate too. He likes to appeal to what we like physically. So he'll use things to try to get that pleasure just to take us away from God. Maybe something like substances or sex. He'll, he'll use things that we know we need, things in this world, and money and, and other physical needs, and he'll get us to think so much about that 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 becomes our priority. And if we don't have that, if we struggle to get it, then we start to wonder about where's the God who's supposed to bless me with that? We like our recreation. We like our relaxation. And sometimes the devil will use that even as a point to keep us away from God being the priority in our life. You see what he's doing? Using deception for destruction. He's not alone either. Look at those words again of the Apostle Paul. He said, our struggle is against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. With that, he is describing the devil's kingdom, filled with demons, spiritual forces of evil. Some theologians believe that all of those terms that I just read was simply describing how well organized the devil's kingdom is with its various divisions and, and ranks. What we can be sure of is this. They are conducting spiritual warfare in this world. 
In the Old Testament book of Daniel, we're told that the spirit, the evil angels were working to influence the rulers of this world to carry out Satan's plans. And so we can see how in this world, evil is working against God's plans. But let's not be misled to think that it's just out there on the other side of the world or just in our society or community. It's also in our homes. It's where we live. It's in our offices. It's in our schools. It's in us as well. And that's because Satan has as his target us. And he tries to get to us by attacking our head that is our thoughts. The Apostle Paul put it this way. The God of this age has blinded the mind of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The devil plants those thoughts that, is there really a God? Then why are things so messed up if there is? What kind of a God is he? Or who says it has to be your God, the Christian God? You know, there could be lots of gods. There could be many different ways to God. You see, that's how the devil gets into people's head, to blind them to the glory of God in Christ, who is the Savior. But don't think that it's just those out there who don't believe and I'm safe. Paul also wrote this. But I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds, and he's writing to Christians, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if somebody comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. What he's pointing out for us is that the tactics of the devil that he used against Eve are the same things that he uses against us today to get us to doubt what God says. Did God really say that? Is that what he really meant? To get us to distort, to twist and, and change what God has said and then to just outright deny it. Well, that can't be right. That isn't what we should do. Others are doing this. That seems good. And if God really does love, then why do I suffer? You see, the devil wants to get into our head. That's why Paul writes, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. Now, you probably know this already. But our head, our brain, controls our heart. It's the thing that makes our heart function. Well, the devil also wants to use our head, our thoughts, to affect our heart, our spiritual heart. Because his goal is to deceive and to destroy. To destroy that faith, that trust in God. No doubt, that's probably why King Solomon wrote these wise words in the book of Proverbs. For they, and he was referring to the truths of God, are life 
to those who find them and health to one's whole body. So above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. The devil wants to distract us. The devil doesn't want us to enjoy the blessings God has given us, but to doubt and think that we don't have it all, we don't have enough, and that God does not love. His goal is to destroy our heart. We need a good heart. We need good spiritual health. That's why Solomon said, guard your heart. Find those truths of God. They are what give you life. Now, are you fearful at all about any terrorist attacks? You know, maybe we've become a little bit accustomed to hearing them so much in the news that, you know, we don't worry like we used to. You know, we used to have that color chart with the level of threat. But what about the spiritual attacks? Are you aware of them? Remember the words that Paul started out with. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Now, friends, that, that's not just a command. It's a promise. It's an assurance for us that we can be strong because the victory against the devil has already been won by Jesus. And so he's simply telling us, be strong in Jesus. Just think of how the devil treated Jesus, how the devil tried to get him to sin. Remember that account when Jesus was out in the wilderness after he had uh, fasted for 40 days? The devil says, well, if you're the son of God and have power, then turn these stones into bread so you can eat. Jesus didn't fall for the temptation. He said his strength comes from the very words of God, not bread. Well, then the devil said, well, okay, you trust so much in God's word. Then let's see how good your God is to protect you. Jump off the temple and he'll save you. And Jesus told him, you aren't to test the Lord God, but trust him. And then the devil shows Jesus all the kingdoms and wealth of the world and says, you can have all of that if you just worship me. And Jesus said, you are to worship the Lord your God only. You know, those are the same kind of temptations that the devil uses against us. You know, what are the things that you need? Go ahead, get it. You need it. And God will kind of test him to see if he made those promises. See how good he is to keep them. Or, you know, if you just get all this stuff from the world... That will be good. That will help you. Just don't worry about that God stuff. Now, let's be honest. Haven't you fallen for some of those temptations? But Jesus never did. He was perfect in his obedience. And that obedience of his becomes ours through faith in him. See, the victory is already won, and it's ours through faith in the Lord. And, and the punishment that we should have obtained for our disobedience, he took that instead of us. The, the penalty that should be paid by us for what we owe God, he paid it. And with his resurrection from the dead, he's declaring that he won over the devil and over death, and because he lives, you and I will live too. See, the victory is ours. And John writes, 
For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. And so it simply comes down to this strategy. Believe. Believe Jesus has won, and that victory is yours. Now, in our world, with the uh, threats that we have and the attacks against us from terrorist groups and whatever, there's a lot of different things that have been put into place to protect us. You know, strong military, uh, very active and sharp intelligence system, and all sorts of other things that try to protect us. So there's a variety of things we can use to protect ourselves. Paul tells us there's a lot of things that you and I can use, too, to protect ourselves. So he urges us now to be prepared for battle by putting on the armor of God. Look at the list that he gives us. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Let's briefly look at each of those pieces and see what he's telling us to do to be prepared. First of all, starting with that belt of truth, that belt that we put around our waist to kind of hold it all together and hold it up. Well, if Satan is the father of lies, and if lies and deception is what he uses, then we have to battle it with the truth. When we hear things in this world, when we see things going on, use discernment and simply ask yourself, is that right or is that wrong? Is that from God or is that from the devil? When you're tempted to think, you know what, I need to think about myself. Everybody else, they can take care of themselves. I need to think about me. Is that right or is that wrong? Is that what God says? Doesn't he say to serve one another? Or when we are so concerned about things, do we have enough things, do we have enough money, do we have this or that, that's what I need, and, and we put faith aside as not being the most important thing? Is that what God says? So take that truth when the devil attacks and compare it to what God says and follow his word. Then he tells us to put on, put in place the breastplate of righteousness. So that breastplate was that metal coat of armor that covered the front and the back all in the midsection. What it's covering is the basic vital organs, like the heart. Paul says, protect your heart with the breastplate of righteousness, Christ's righteousness, and the righteous path that he leads you on. You see, Satan wants to infect us. Satan wants to attack our heart. He wants to, like, put cancer in us, cancer that weakens us. That's what sin does. A cancer that kills and causes fear. That's what sin does. He wants the righteousness of Christ to cover and protect our soul. 
So when we need to know what's right or wrong, what does God want me to do, rely on the righteousness that Christ teaches. And when you fall, when you fail, when you've sinned, don't let him burden your conscience with guilt, but rather put on that breastplate of Christ's righteousness, knowing that it's yours through faith in him, the forgiveness and mercy and grace of Christ. And be strong. Then he urges us to put on the shoes of the gospel of peace. Soldiers need good shoes so that they can move quickly, so that sharp objects or other things on the, on the ground will not impede their movement. Paul says we have the gospel of peace like shoes that help us move for this life. You see, Satan has declared war, but God has declared peace. We have peace with God, and so we know his love and his blessings, and we see his clear path of guidance. He wants us to take that peace, to be ambassadors, and to share it with others. In countries where the gospel is put down and secluded, in hospitals and nursing homes where people are suffering and need that encouragement, behind prison walls where men and women burdened with their guilt, need to know they have a God who loves and forgives. You're fitted with the gospel. Let's take it places. Then he says, use the shield of faith. Now, shields for the Romans were, were big things. They weren't just a little thing, like Captain America on his arm. It was a big shield that covered their whole body. And they could interlock together so that the line of soldiers could make a, a, a strong wall of defense. Because sometimes the enemy would fire their, their darts and their arrows flaming. Well, the, Satan fires flaming arrows of temptation and accusations and lies and false teachings on us. He says, use that shield of faith. Trust in the truth so that you won't get hit and be burned with sin. And as I described how those shields could interlock and the soldiers could work together, so he wants us to use our faith to work together, to build each other up, to guide one another, to encourage each other. We do that as we worship together, as we pray together, as we commune together. We're there to encourage each other. That's why the scriptures say, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, but to do so to encourage one another. And he tells us to put on the helmet of salvation. Well, helmet goes on the head. What's in the head are thoughts. He goes, know what your salvation is, because the devil wants you to, do, to doubt it and to deny it. He wants you to think that it's something you need to work on, you need to do, but you're bad at it. So forget it. Peter tells us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Know your salvation in Jesus. So putting on the helmet simply means getting into God's Word. And that's why I encourage you, read your scriptures, read your devotion booklets. Get involved with some of our Bible classes that we have going on during the week. And I, and I want to tell you that we have a new program starting uh, in January. Right now we're working and we're training 20-some new leaders for small group Bible studies, and we're going to kick those off in January. 
hoping to get more of you involved with weekly studying the scripture. So listen for that coming up in, in the weeks ahead. But it's so key for us to do that, to put that helmet of salvation on. And that, he says, is taking the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The, the, the Spirit gives us the Word, and the Spirit yields that Word. The Scriptures describe the Word like a sword. It says it's alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It's like a, a surgeon's scalpel that can go in with precision and remove sin and doubt. And like a sharp knife, it can chop apart all of those lies of Satan. Use the word. Now, if you, if you consider what he's telling us, they all have one thing in common. All of these weapons, these pieces of equipment, have one thing in common, and that's Jesus. It's his righteousness. It's his salvation that he won for us. It's his peace. It's his truth. And so to be ready for spiritual battle simply means we have to be with Jesus. Jesus comes to us in word and in sacrament. That's where we'll find him. That's where we'll be strengthened with him. Don't let anything pull you away. Paul gives us the results of staying with Jesus. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on that full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Christ has won the victory. And the victory is ours. We'll fight not for victory, but from victory. But maybe all of that sounds a little overwhelming. Maybe it sounds like you've got to be a real smart general. Maybe it sounds like you have to be a military strategist. Maybe it sounds like you've got to be Superman or Superwoman. How are we going to do that when we know we're weak and don't have a good understanding of everything? Paul gives us one more piece of advice. He says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So not only do we need to be aware of the threats and be prepared with the armor of God, we also need to use prayer. He advises us to pray in the Spirit. We pray to the Father. We pray in the name of Jesus, that is, with faith in Him, who has opened that throne, opened the way to that throne of grace. But we pray in the Spirit. That is, we pray for his strength and his guidance because that's what we need to fight this battle. He says, pray always. Now, that doesn't mean that every moment and every word out of our mouth is prayer. The only exception is when you're teaching your teenage daughter how to drive. But what he is teaching us is to have an attitude of dependency on the Lord. And yes, pray frequently. One of our men in our Bible class this week says, every morning before he puts a foot out of bed, he prays. 
And he says, sometimes I forget, but before I get that cup of coffee in the morning, I'm praying. Good advice, right? Work a, day, work a prayer into your day, and your day will work out better. Paul says, pray with all kinds of prayers. Your requests, your intercessions for others, but also prayers of thanksgiving and praise. Find, you'll find that when you thank God for the blessings you have, your list of needs gets smaller as you realize how blessed you are. Then he urges us to pray for all the Lord's people. We're all in this together. We're all fighting together. So let's pray for one another. Paul was asking for prayers. I'm asking you to pray for our church, to pray for your pastors, to pray for your teachers, to pray for your lay leaders, to pray for the missionaries we've sent out into the world, to pray for those men who are behind those prison walls taking the word to other inmates. Pray as we all proclaim that gospel of peace. So are you concerned about terrorist attacks in the world? Are you concerned about what might be done, or do you trust enough that things are being done to protect us? Are you concerned about the threats the devil has against you? You know, we have something better than our government programs to protect us. We have a God who's all-powerful, all-loving, and has got a perfect plan to save us in Jesus. So let's not take the war lightly, but let's hear that call, the call to be aware of the threats, the call to be prepared with the armor of God, and that call to use prayer. Assure of this, the victory's already ours in Jesus. Amen.